0: This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com thecitadelcafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is The Citadel Cafe, episode number 455 for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and The Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Stephen ESC is back. You can find him at Stephen ESC on all the social media that matters, and of course, on Twitch as well. Welcome back, my friend.
1: Hello, hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Always a pleasure. Before we dive in, I want to give a shout out and thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash the citadel cafe you all are the reason that uh, we get to do the show and uh, i can't thank you enough and it's always uh appreciate the fact that uh, i get to do this for a job so uh, mm. thank you much appreciated september october seemed to has just like evaporated it's apparently november now uh which i yeah. had to like double check <laughs> at the start of the, i was like <laughs> I, know, I know doing the dates at the start of the show you're like wait a minute it's november and just yesterday i looked up from what i thought was just an hour or two after my lunch break and it was dark outside and i was like this is this is not right uh no. so yeah all of that kind of stuff is uh is changing fast and furious we've got a time change coming uh in in this part of the world on saturday uh we do the same you know daylight oh, savings right. as the states this saturday so uh won't change for some of you but um for others it will remain a um uh, a wednesday evening show it depends on on when and how you tune in i guess um, but it's, uh, we switched from UTC minus three to UTC minus four on, on Saturday. What has been new in your world the last little while?
1: Checking out a couple of trailers in the last little while. So I guess two that sort of piqued my interest. The, the first one is the new Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania trailer. That title's a mouthful. <laughs> I just feels like they're just going to keep adding more and more syllables to titles as the, as more sequels come out, but, um, I don't know. I I saw it and it looks cool enough for me to probably see in the theater because I mean, as no secret, I like the Marvel movies and and storylines, and so I'll, I'll want to see it in the theater so I can just keep on top of things as they come out so that I can stay part of the storyline. But there's, but man, it looks like it's going to be ninety nine percent CGI driven, and I have mixed feelings about that. But I don't know. I've been, I mean, I enjoy Paul Rudd, so I'll I'll go watch it and. I know that I'll enjoy chunks of it just because he's doing Paul Rudd and everything, but it's, um. I found the. Tra- I'm not sure what you thought about it, but I found the trailer pretty, pretty cryptic, fairly vague in terms of storyline, just a lot of cool visuals. And, and clearly they, I mean, they talk about there being another universe under, I forget the exact word they use, like under ours or like another plane that exists alongside of ours kind of thing. And it looks very spectacular and amazing, but it's just, I don't really get a, I didn't really get a sense of what the tale is about other than they got sucked into the quantum realm again and just have to deal with that.
0: That's what I got out of it as well. My first thought was this just sounds and feels like Dr. Strange, right? With mm. the multiverse, like there's the multiverse and then there's the quantum verse and, and or the quantum realm. And I guess quantum, that's how they did the whole time travel thing in, in Endgame. But in Doctor Strange, he doesn't do time travel. He only does multiverse, which I guess all exist at the exact same time. I th- th- I find that the rules around this kind of stuff gets thick. And for mm-hmm. me, I've I've not I only barely know enough about Ant Man from the movies. I don't have I don't have any knowledge from the comics. Yeah, uh, but uh, out actually outside of uh, anecdotes that I've heard from other people that are you know, fans of the comics where I think the, f- I think the first Ant-Man, I think Hank Pym, so that's, um, he's in it, but he's not the main Ant-Man in the story. He's the professor, right? Um, yeah.
1: Hope's, Hope's father, yeah. Yeah,
0: so they, in the comics, I think he's an abusive husband. Like his, oh good. Yeah, I mean, they've, ch- it's Disney, they've changed it for the movies, obviously. And I, and I feel like the because of that i don't want to say lack of interest because it's not a good thing i wouldn't want my hero to have that kind of history but i mean like at the same time um i can't remember what's paul rudd's character's name what's the current ant-man scott lang scott lang so scott lang's got a criminal record right
1: yeah
0: uh so he's not perfect um but i i feel like ant-man has got one cool thing going for him and that's the whole changing size thing and if you're not going to do that or you've done that then you kind of run out of cool stuff for ant-man to to do Mm -hmm. and even paul rudd in interviews have kind of he's kind of says ant-man and he kind of has this look at his face is like yeah (laughs) like it's not (laughs) i don't know what to tell you like he's it's not it's not the coolest superhero you know uh I watch it for, <laughs> for Scott and, and for Paul Rudd. I don't necessarily watch it because of Ant-Man and Ant-Man's thing, you know? No. Uh, I watch it because of the relationship that he has with other characters. And I like the relationship he has with his daughter, specifically the what team. they did in Endgame where she's older. Like he missed her growing up. So like, I think that changes the dynamic there. I thought it was interesting in the trailer that, that she's part of it. Like she's not just some quick heartstring moment at the bookends of the story it looks like she's part of the adventure which is cool uh yeah. i don't know what that means for comics there could be comic fans out there going like "Ooh, ooh, ooh i know who she is in three movies you know like that kind of thing um yeah and it's she's lo-
1: supposed to apparently have a bigger part which is uh yeah yeah
0: it's lost on me um but yeah my concern is that it's it's very flashy very green screeny lots of green tennis balls on sticks Uh, and, and actors, (laughs) actors potentially not, you know, in the same room. Um, I, I, say that actually, and Disney has, has those, um, the set that they use for star Wars for the Mandalorian, I can't remember what they call it, but it's that like that LCD kind of like wraparound set where they can actually project the environment that the actor is supposed to be in. Uh, and, mm. and so they can, they don't have to imagine the deserts of Tatooine that can project the deserts of Tatooine all around them and, and no. stuff like that. So if they, if they do that for the quantum realm, they're like, well, that's, that's cool. Like that, that gives the, the actors more to work with. And, and I can appreciate that if, if that's what they're doing. I don't know if they do that on mm. all the stuff or if it's just Star Wars, but, uh, but for me, it's just like, didn't things go badly the last time they messed with the quantum realm? And now they did. they're melt- messing with the quantum realm again. It's like, hey, you know what? If the they dog are. bites you when you poke it with a stick, maybe put down the stick. But it's a different <laughs> stick this time, Joel. It's a different stick. <laughs> and I don't really care about Kang the Conqueror. Like I just, I know he was introduced in Loki. I I kind of think the villain's dumb.
1: I don't really know much about the character and I'm surprised he's he seems to be a different character in this because he seemed to be sort of jokey, playful, mm almost just you know just being even just kind of weird and out there in loki but he seems really serious and dark and kind of ticked off in the trailer for this so it just it seems like it's a completely different take on the character which i mean i'll be interested to see why why he's suddenly different but at this point i don't i don't have an attachment to him one way or the other and so i'm I'm curious to
0: see what he's about So Kang reminds me of Rumpelstiltskin, right? (laughs) Like it's, if you read original fairy tales, they're usually really dark, like like really dark. And then they've been homogenized and adopted. And then Disney did some stuff with fairy tales and now everybody mimics Disney. And so those things get pushed into modern culture and people forget that like, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was like originally Snow White and the Three Thieves or, you know, like some weird twisted, you know, change Mm. to everything and uh they're a lot darker because usually they were meant to scare kids into behaving
1: <laughs> you know right. it's like yeah, yeah.
0: Hansel and Gretel like don't go to the woods because you'll get eaten i.e eat, don't wander off you know like stay stay in the village we don't want you to get eaten by wolves so like maybe stay yeah. close by you know and, and I think that um with Kang I get that same sort of like they couldn't decide where they want him to be jokey or goofy and I can you imagine if Thanos was cracking jokes right? Like just, it wouldn't yeah. fly, right? Like it just, it, for mm-hmm. me, I, it's not one of my favorite things about it, but the, what the thing that I find that they do with the Ant-Man films is that they tend to weave other parts of the MCU together. And I feel like, I mean, I'm going to go watch it because again, I like Paul Rudd and like you, I'm a, I'm a Marvel yeah. fan and they're usually entertaining uh, even if I don't walk away from them thinking like, that was great. Like I I was yeah. entertained during Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I didn't particularly like the film, but I, mm-hmm. w- I was at least like, oh, okay. So that's how that works because I have more of a history with like traditional superheroes, like Captain America, Superman, Batman, like the kind of like yeah. one guy against the world sort of deal. And very human, well, human, alien, physical, <laughs> physical physical confrontation you know like it's it's the there there's no metaphysical right that there's no and not a lot of magic i don't tend to or i didn't tend to read a lot of magic comic books when i was growing up so uh, a lot of my stuff was more like sci-fi so when it comes to things like the scarlet witch and dr strange and i understand that ant-man is science but it's such strange science that it might as well be magic in terms of how Things are all kind of like interwoven and well, because you have like uh, Ant-Man going into these battles with a form of sci-fi, but then you've got someone in there like Kang that doesn't seem to need any technology to manipulate and do stuff. So you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. well then is he magic? Is he just a powerful being? Like what, how does this all work? And that's where I get lost. It's like, you've established that, there's the sci fi reason as much as they explain it away with gobbledygook monologues, you know, in, in the movies. Um, but then, if someone, if some character, be it a villain or a hero, is manipulating this kind of stuff without any technology, then you're like, well, then how are they doing it? You know, yeah. um, I've got a funny feeling there's going to be a uh, not a crossover, but I feel like it might explain more about Loki. And I don't know if and when there's another season of Loki coming. Mm-hmm and that'd be cool and if there is a second one coming yeah so if it's if that ties in or is timed with like roughly the same launch window as as ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and i agree it's a long title um (laughs) like they could have just called it quantum mania right yeah because i think all the marvel fans at this stage in phase four and a half or wherever we are we kind of know what's going on right in terms of who's in it
1: I mean, basically, the next Captain Marvel movie is just called "The Marvels," and so they didn't feel the need to say Captain Marvel, the Marvel, or Captain Marvel, the whole family's here kind of thing. They just, <laughs> they sort of just kind of evolved the name, you know what I mean? It's like, and anything, basically, anything quantum realm related of the MCU has revolved around Ant Man and the Wasp, so it wouldn't have been a huge stretch to
0: just leave it. I mean it looks good. I mean it's always high production value. I mean we'll we'll have to see yeah. what it is. I'm trying to remember like if there is a Marvel film coming that I'm excited about. Um I mean I really like Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. So like I guess the Marvels is on the list, but like I can't think of another one. Like there's no tentpole film where I'm just like, "Yeah, like I re- I really cannot wait to see to see that." Um I guess if if it's going to be more um more bucky and Sam Wilson in the Captain America movie then yes like i mean i'm on board for that i really like the series um but i don't know whether it's going to be a team up movie like if it, maybe it's going to be all sam wilson right
1: yeah i i, I hope they're both in it again um but I, I hope it's less like for a while there in the in the tv show it it felt like they were just like curmudgeony old men just arguing with arguing with each other nonstop and i'm like okay i get it you guys have friction get over it and then by the end of it they had you know, they weren't best friends, but they had a better relationship. And I and I mm-hmm. hope they kind of keep that going forward as opposed to going back to the old. It just, it just felt like it was old shtick after a while. It's like, all right, three episodes of the same thing. We can kind of just move on from that now, can't we? Just say I'm excited for uh, Wakanda Forever. That's that's the next thing on the horizon. Right. Yeah, we did that's, talk about uh, very that. soon. Like, I, I believe it's nine days from now that it comes out. And I, I won't be seeing it right away, but I am I'm
0: really looking forward to seeing that. That's something that's on my list as well it's hard to figure out where they're going because for a while there you had the avengers films but in between you had thor you had captain america you had um iron man you had iron man movies they were going through like your tentpole heroes but now that that's all over and they've sort of said that it's over then you're like okay, right, well what's the next you know like there's spider-man but like that just came out recently so there's not a new one coming if if at all you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I don't know I don't know about that.
1: One thing that always interests me though when they have uh when sequels come out is when they change actors or actresses like uh, Emma Furman played Cassie in Endgame um and she was replaced by Catherine Newton for the upcoming movie and I mean granted Emma Furman only had a, a teeny tiny part in Endgame it was basically there to show that five years had passed for Scott Lang. Um, and I don't think she had any other part in it, but it still strikes me odd that they would have cast somebody there, knowing that Cassie Lang would be around for a while. Like, why Why wouldn't you cast somebody at that point that you wanted to keep long-term? But
0: anyway. I guess it's, it's, it's hard when the actors are that young, because may, maybe the other actor had like other plans you know university or school or True. you know it i guess it, it could be it could be anything. i mean these days too with disney it could be people's politics someone could have slipped up online and that meant that could have been the end of that like <laughs> i fair. i don't know um but uh but yeah I, I know what you mean i i get that in some cases like it is a little bit jarring i i find it more jarring when they when they change like a lead actor like not someone that's that's growing up like where there would be an age change but like yeah um if it like if they replaced paul rudd for example not that they would but like if if something they were to change paul rudd out it just it would be strange right yeah Um, even when they
1: switched out Rhodes in for iron man one to iron man two that was that was a little bit
0: odd but that was so early on yeah. It didn't bug me so much because I much prefer Don Cheadle. <laughs> I thought it was a much better performance, I thought.
1: I, I enjoyed them both. I actually don't know the other actor. I've read his name offhand, but I don't really know him from much else. Where I've known Don Cheadle from stuff for a while, so I'm not mm. I'm not disappointed,
0: but I just I found it odd. Anything else on the small screen buzzing around? The new Avatar trailer, the
1: the Way of Water. I honestly, don't know if this looks different enough for me to go want to go see it in theater. Like it looks like it's the same movie as the first one, but this time on water, and it's just because it's the humans coming to exploit the planet again. They're evil. The blue people are good, or the the blue beings are good, and yeah, it just it looks visually the same. It looks like it's going to be stunning. But I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to see. I I missed the first one in theater, and I thought it was cool enough looking that I sort of wish I'd seen it on the big screen. So I might wait until months go by and then go see it on the cheap night kind of thing. But I'm I'm not clamoring to see it. But the the trailer looks pretty. Looks pretty. I was going to say pretty something, but that's it. It looks it looks pretty. It's a you know has the same spectacular feel of the first one, but I don't know that storyline wise. There's enough there to feel fresh when you want to go see it.
0: The first one was Fern Gully like i it it really didn't deviate from anything too <laughs> straightforward and yet i liked it like i mean when people make those jokes i mean it's like yeah no you're right i'm not arguing with you i still enjoyed it but yeah you're not mm-hmm. you're not wrong i felt the exact same way about the trailer for the new one. one it feels like a teaser it's not much of a trailer really there's no real plot it's just yeah. a bunch of really showy special effect shots and like emotional moments with absolutely no context like it's just like you know (laughs) father and son or daughter touching heads and having a somber moment and like a bunch of um you know in the first one it was uh flying or galloping and whooping and now it's like dolphins jumping in and out of the water and there's whooping when there's air and then when there's no air there's no whooping it's just like it's not they're not really changing a whole lot um it i mean like obviously technology has gone a lot farther in motion capture and all the different things that they do for these films and i'm curious to see what they might do in something like an imax like those these are the kind of films i would i would bother to go see an imax just to say that i i saw it but Mm. uh i also find the sound design in avatar the first one quite good too and the music is obviously wonderful so like stuff like that is is cool but Um, there's been no big reveal of, of the villain in the trailer. There's, you know, cause I found that was the hardest part about the original for me was the cartoonish bad guy, you know, like the, the the general dude that was in the mech warrior suit and just kind of like chewing on a cigar and talking smack, you know, like I just, it it was like, he was at a GI Joe, you know, like it was not, (laughs) it was not a, a really uh, and it, like, it, and, it and was what was the element role. they
1: were? And what was the oh, element they were? Unobtainium. The, unobtainium like it
0: it's d- like a, like re, like you've done all this work, all yeah. this work, <laughs> and all this writing, and that is the best that you could come up with. Like, come on, you I roll obtainium. You know, like, um, I mean it. <laughs> at least minecraft came up with netherite i mean like it's <laughs> it's not even that much of a stretch but it sounds better nope. right like it's it's yeah. in the nether and it's a and it's a mineral let's call it netherite okay and everybody just is like that's fine that makes sense you know like i don't even remember what the name of the planet is in avatar do you remember what the humans called it i don't remember
1: what. oh i i just saw it a moment pandora ago was it pandora and Pan, yeah Pan pandora Right. I think that's what it is. And that kind of struck me as odd as well, because it's such a, I guess if the humans gave it that name, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's going to be
0: some sort of like thing from our culture and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, in the same way that we name the planets in our solar system, like they're all after like, you know, Greek or or Roman gods and that kind of stuff. Right. So it like that kind of, I get, I get it, but uh, you've got something like Pandora. So like, go grab something out of Greek mythology you know, and name, or, name the mineral out of Greek mythology, you know, like,
1: yeah. Or just it, something like Pandorum. Like you just, if, if you're yeah, going to. Yeah. Something that makes sense. We found a new place, called it this, found a new element that's unique to this place. We named it after the place we found it. It's, it's, it's not a stretch.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's better than unobtainium. Like, yeah. Like there's just, there's so much of that, that I found, uh, shallow in terms of the yeah. the, the depth of world building that they could have done uh got got lost on me um now i mean there's performances in that in that um that film that i think stand out um i think too that i'm really curious to see the performances from the actors come through in mm-hmm. the cg and that's always fun to see but um but yeah i mean it's it's one of those things like well okay it's happening like it's probably going to be like a hey let's go see avatar and then go have drinks after and i'll be there for the drinks and like sure we'll talk about the movie but but yeah it's it's not something that i'm i'm champing at the bit to to go see sounds like a date (laughs) (laughs) movie and beers well jumping into the main discussion this week both steven and i have been watching the peripheral i mentioned this Mm -hmm. last week on the show but i only mentioned it in passing uh first impressions from the uh, premiere Uh, i am all cut up there are three episodes out fourth is coming out this friday uh i believe you were all caught up as well
1: i am indeed yes yeah
0: so so spoilers ahead we're going to be talking about some moments not that not that they've really revealed much plot in the first three episodes it is it's got a slower pace which is fine i'm fine Mm. with that um but in terms of like moments and uh we'll say ahas and reveals and things like that there there may be some things that we're going to talk about that you may not want to know if it is on your list and you are going to watch it so just be aware of that going into the conversation um, the, uh, the show for folks that, that are not aware is based on, I think it's a William Gibson novel. I had it written down, um, of the same name mm. and it is, um, written and produced or written in uh show run by Scott Smith with Westworld creators, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy as executive producers. Uh, they would have been the creative team on Westworld um, going mm-hmm. and and then of course moving into the show, uh, William Gibson is, is, is the author of the original novel as well. And so far, all of the episodes that I have watched or we have watched have all been written by Scott Smith. Uh, other writers are coming in with a teleplay by Scott Smith later on, but it, the first three episodes are all helmed, uh, written by, by Scott Smith. And, <laughs> um, I, I like it so far. Uh, I feel like the, the acting continues to be something that I'm, I'm on board with. And I think my biggest plus right now is that every episode that I've seen, they've revealed more about what's going on, how the technology works. Cause you've got lots of questions yeah. and, and then giving you backstory and character development on the main actors, not all at once, but you get bits and pieces throughout the first three episodes of uh, like almost as soon as you have a question, like you're like, what the heck just happened? Like, how did that work? And then in the next episode, they basically answer that for you. And, <laughs> and in, in a good way though, in, in a, in a way that you have to pay attention, I can't be on my phone with this show. Like I, I really, I have to kind of listen to what's being said. Um, especially because it has that kind of, because it's filmed in the South and there's that kind of like two people sitting at a table and, to the untrained ear they're having polite conversation but they're threatening one another at the same time and so if you're not paying (laughs) attention to exactly what's being said or the looks that are being given then it you can get i think a little bit lost but i think right now that's the biggest strength it has is that it has a really cool concept in the whole time travel thing which wasn't revealed like i think it was revealed but i didn't mention it last week but like the whole I, I get worried about time travel stories because I I tend to roll my eyes. There's usually some sort of time paradox, but mm-hmm. they handle this really well in that the characters are not traveling through time, they're communicating no. through time, which I thought, okay, that's different. So points. Mm-hmm. Uh and and it means that while they can affect the past and create different branches or stubs, I think they call them. They do yeah. um, then they at least acknowledge that and they say, well, we've talked to you. So now it's all like free ball. Like who knows where this is going to go? We'd like to sculpt it. We know how it went the first time, but we'd like to sculpt it in a way that benefits us. These people that, Mm -hmm. that Flynn is talking to from the future. And I've got more questions about them, but it's also the three episodes. in. so, but my first impressions so far are worth watching high production value Good pacing in terms of the amount of information that they give you. If they gave this all in the first episode, I would be lost. There would be just far too much to process.
1: Agreed. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I spoke about it for a fair bit last week. So, like, what what are your impressions of it so far?
1: Um, I'm the same impression as you. I mean, I, I hate to say that; it sounds like a cop out saying that, but the the truth is, um, I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. Thought I would. I mean, I, I saw the trailer and I I it, it thought it looked really slick. I thought, okay. Visually this this looks cool so I may want to give it a go. And then you see them you know where the uh the the VR goggles and then I was like all right well this feels like it's going to be a little bit like Ready Player 1 or the Matrix or Sword Art Online kind of thing and they're just in there but it's such a good VR experience that you know they can feel it suddenly. I thought all right well this isn't anything new. So I the, the when you mentioned the time travel thing um, I was really impressed. That was, uh, I'm glad they didn't actually give that away in, I don't think they gave it away in the first episode. They, I think, I think they f- revealed it either way. I thought it was, I, I agree with you. The pacing is good. They're not giving it all away at once, even, even though like I probably would have been lost like you, if they had dumped that all into the first episode, I feel like I would have been annoyed as well because it's like, this is entirely what the show is about within 15 minutes and now we're just going to go for along for the ride i'm enjoying the reveal of bits and pieces of it as opposed to typical fast pace of everything it's um i really like the acting i think you mentioned this as well uh last time Uh, chloe grace moretz is i think she's doing really she's she's excellent in the role i find you know I, i find her accent comes and goes a little bit but i you know not that i could do any better but um her brother is a pleasant surprise to me because I thought he was just going to be some sort of like dim-witted, dim-witted Southern guy. That's what it seemed like at first, just dim-witted Southern guy just who like to play video games in his trailer, because that's literally what he was doing in the first chunk of the trailer. And then he got the new headset and he's like, all right, well, you try this because, you know, it seems a bit cliche at points where, you know, he's playing the video games and then she comes in and of course, unexpectedly, she's so much better at it than him, and then you find out he's military, and she's better at military games than he is, which is a bit of a... Maybe that's like my only mini-beef, it's just she's just better at his job than he is. Maybe just, you know, in the virtual sense anyway, but no, I'm... Overall, I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying the backstory pieces as well, although I find uh, that you were talking uh, the the bad guy in Avatar seemed like very comic bookish. I find Corbel Pickett the present day bad or their present day bad guy in this, he seems to be the same type of thing. Just, you know, Southern guy, cigar smoking, runs the town kind of thing. And just, it's like <laughs> nothing subtle about the guy. You just, as soon as, as soon as he talks and you see him for the first time, you know mm-hmm. that he is the local town, bad guy running everything. And I just, I prefer it when they're a little bit more subtle than like, you don't realize who is the bad guy right away. Just so the some, you know, people could have some seedy intentions, but it just feels like very comic bookish. This is the bad guy. We've shown them to you. Carry on with the story.
0: I'm a little surprised that Pickett isn't the mayor in, to that light. You know what I mean? Like I get, that's, that's the <laughs> yeah, one they, they exactly. would have gone too far. But like that—that's the bad guy in Reacher, the other Amazon title that was set in a, a, a southern mm. town recently, where that the smarmy corrupt town mayor is in on the the evil that's happening in the small town uh and and it makes sense like you mean and again like the moment you hear that guy speak in a public forum you're like oh he's a bad guy like there's just there's no there's no way around it right he's got the smarmy goatee and everything and and with Quirtle Pickett, it's the same it's the same way i i guess for me i didn't mind it so much uh as i've seen these villains in um longmire which actually corbell pickett was in and because that's the other thing as soon as i saw lewis hertham um who plays corbell pickett i was like i've seen him in other things and i've seen him in this mm. role like i've seen him in seen- <laughs> the smiling evil son of a bitch like i've i've seen that role before uh he was in westworld i don't remember exactly what he did in westworld but um you don't have a mustache and a beard like that and not being a western do you know what i mean no, uh, at least at some at some point recently,
1: <laughs> at some point in your career, yeah,
0: it's definitely yeah, and and he, um, in Longmire, I remember him being a baddie, and there was one other, um, there was one other example that I was trying to remember, but like he that kind of of oh he wasn't in Justified, but that's the kind of bad guy that was in Justified, like that smooth talking mm. Kentucky drawl kind of like. Yeah, we're going to sit here and eat our pie and have our coffee. And it looks like a civil conversation from the outside. But like what I'm telling you in between the lines is I'm going to gut you like a fish, you know, like it's just yeah. that kind of stuff. It's all very polite, uh, on the surface. It's almost like the more polite they are, the, sc- the more scared you have to be, you know, <laughs> it's uh, true. the thing that I found broke down about, about Pickett for me was the conversation he has with his nephew where one it tells you how dumb and spineless his nephew is but two it was for me it was a bit of a hole in the writing where um there's a sum of money going to pick it to basically the the fishers are bribing him to leave them alone and despite the fact that he thinks that there's something going on and the, the nephew gets in there and sees that it's money then Pickett offers him a stack and then reveals that oh i've given you money now you owe me a favor uh you didn't ask what it was for when it was very clearly Mm -hmm. like he wasn't he just kind of said here do you want a stack like it just it seemed like a reward and yeah that to me is just weak sauce like it doesn't it doesn't it just feels Well, now the nephew is going to spy on his wife and their friends because the plot says so, whereas all you have to do is make the nephew greedy and then he'll have, then he's got a reason to do it, you know, or have, or have, uh, have the nephew and his wife be hard on cash. Like maybe their mortgage is up or like, you know, give them something, give them a reason to, 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 to turn on, on friends. Uh, so I just, I just, I found the whole conversation kind of like, I, I didn't know who it, who it made looked worse, whether it made Corbell feel like just really, it's just kind of a strange way to present that when he could obviously just force him to do it. Like, I think, I think he could have told him to just keep an eye on this. Tell me what you find out without any money exchanges. And it probably would have happened anyway. You don't know. And so the whole, the yeah. whole exchange felt weird and. I feel like it 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 really made the the nephew feel stooped. Like I just I don't care about him because he's if he's that dumb then I don't care.
1: See, it's I have a I kind of have a different take on it. I actually do. I actually feel bad for his nephew because the backstory that they gave Corbell Pickett, um, they did a flashback to when right. he was younger and the guy Jasper was actually just a kid, and so there was a bike gang running the town, and so corbel pickett decided he wanted to clean up the town and he he cleaned up the town by tricking these bikers and uh thinking he was giving them this great deal on trucks that he bought with bulletproof glass and like all of the greatest latest technology and and the reality is he locked them all in the trucks all none of the none of the locks worked and it was scorching hot basically he forced his uh his nephew to watch them cook to death while he sprayed them with water kind of thing. So he's, I think he's been, he's been just, just abuse, mentally abusing this guy since he was a kid. And so I think this is just one extra, extra way that he's just reminding Jasper that he's got him under his thumb. And then just like, like every little thing he, it's almost like he's, you know, that, that abusive person is like, I'm taking care of you. I'm taking care of you. Right. But in the reality is like, you know, I think it was more like you can't refuse that money, like or I, I dare you to refuse that money now that I've said that it's payment to go do something, and it's just because he he looked he looked like not that he was going to cry, but he looked like he I, I thought the guy who plays Jasper, Chris Coy, actually did a a good job of looking like um, he kind of came across as really upset suddenly when he realized he had to take the money after he realized you know it was it wasn't just given to him as a gift kind of thing for a good job it was just. Oh, he's doing the thing again. And he just, he's a coward for sure. But I think he's seen his uncle kill a, like a metric hecton of people over the years, or at least hurt them that he doesn't want anything to happen to himself or his,
0: or his wife. I think that's the case. I think he's scared of him. I i don't know if he's so scared that he thinks he would die. He would certainly be, mm. be beaten within an inch of his life. Um, But I think, yeah. I think he's got people important to him like his wife and their friends that, that, Pickett would probably not hesitate to to off um and, and I think that's probably what his his hang up is and maybe that threat has been made before we don't know uh quite enough yet about their relationship and we might get we might find out more um I I do find that that was kind of an eye roll moment when you find out that um Flynn Fisher has told Mary which is Jasper's wife her best friend yeah. all of the details and that really upsets Rayner because, um, sorry, I keep on mixing actors' names and character names. Burton, uh, her brother Burton, because Burton explains to her why it was dumb to confide in your best friend because her husband is the nephew of the town ganglord. Like, he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's the town villain and you basically just, you know, hold a husband and wife for the la- lack of a, you know, secrecy between husband and wife, um, a lot of information that we don't want getting up to picket. Um and that's where I think one of my favorite scenes in the in the first three episodes came in when there was a there was a, a hit on Burton and Flynn in I think it was even the first episode mm-hmm. and you get the idea that they're all very good at these video games um you get some some interesting insight into Burton having some implants and they're not treating him very well and you get the idea that as you mentioned that that Flynn is better at these video games than Burton is. And I get the impression that she's better at them because she thinks outside the box. Whereas he thinks, he thinks in, in kind of like very straight lines, but then they have this attack come in and they start doing all this digital stuff. They got drones in the air and they all got weapons. And you just think, I just thought like, I, I didn't put two and two together. I don't, if they mentioned that he was a veteran, I didn't catch it. And I just thought it was a bunch of these video game guys going like, well, I guess they're so good at virtual reality video games and they're all backwards Americans. Of course, they all got guns. Like, why not just take on these people coming in? Right. And they take them all out very efficiently to the point where it's like, that was kind of far fetched. But like, whatever, we're talking about time travel, virtual reality, sci-fi. So like, I guess I'll just follow along. What I really yeah. enjoyed about the episode where. Burton was forced to confront Pickett. He does so at the, at the diner or the pub, whatever, not the diner. It's a, it's a pub. It's a local bar and explains a number of things in that conversation. As he threatens Pickett, he's like, Hey, uh, all of these haptics that I have in me, you know what that means? That means I'm connected with my squad. And then Pickett says something along the lines of like, thank you for your service snidely. And you go, Oh, yeah. these guys are all ex-military. That explains why they're so good at that. You know, uh, they they have these haptics that were part of a, a battle program. The small town people were picked on purpose because they grew up together. So you've got this friendship of 18 plus years, you know, of this group of friends. And then they're given haptics and the bond is even that much stronger. And, mm-hmm. and he he then goes on to explain that the reason that they're so good is because these haptics are more than just enhancing their own physical abilities. It's actually tying them all together. And I can't remember which scene came first, the one where uh, Burton threatens Pickett or where um, Wilf and Flynn discuss their mental tie in a, in a, like a, an in head kind of telephone conversation situation. I can't remember which came first.
1: It wasn't completely explained as to what they were doing, but in the at the end of the, no, it was the beginning of the second episode. I think it was when they first got attacked. That's when they, they sort of linked all the haptics together and you're actually able to see, they were actually able to see out of each other's eyes, which was pretty cool. So you'd have one of them shooting yes. um, one bad guy and then they're suddenly pinned behind behind a tree, but because someone else was able to see where they, you know where the bad the bad guy quote unquote bad guy is from the other person's eyes they were able to pop up from another spot and just pick them up pick them out of the from behind another tree because they knew exactly what they were so it was very very cool i guess it's not entirely important what order they came in but
0: basically what i'm saying is that in in that moment you get all this backstory about burton and it answers a bunch of questions that you've had for about an episode and i, I they yeah. don't leave you wondering for very long cuz you are you have all that stuff happening you like well that's that's fine that they have all this tech, but like, why are they so good at this? And then you realize, okay, well, the tech that they're playing with and the fact that they're ex-military, that makes sense, you know? And yeah. then it's the same thing with, uh, you know, they explain the intensity of the connection between Wilf and Flynn and how she gets really disoriented and like, she can feel what he feels like he's hung over and she starts to feel sick to her stomach. And so he, like oh, right. she dials it down and it makes you kind of wonder like if one of the 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 platoon that of burton's friends if they're injured or if they're going through something mentally like how do they balance all that and i thought it was an interesting kind mm. of window and it's like well that's why they're so cohesive is because like they're mentally integrated not just physically like they're not just seeing what the yeah. other person's seeing they're feeling what their other person is feeling whether that's anxiety or adrenaline or you know whatever that happens to be. I probably both ways. If someone is battle hardened and very focused and very calm, that also might kind of help the whole squad become calm, you know? It it was an inter- it's an right. interesting concept. And I mean it, it, it that culminates in Burton pointing to a shot glass or a water glass on the table and pulling his finger like a gun and somebody miles away <laughs> uh yeah. uses a sniper rifle to blow the glass away just to make sure that you know Pickett knows that like You could have been dead had I wanted you to. Yeah. And nothing, like nothing you could have done about it. It would have been long over for you. Um, But I don't want that kind of mess on my hands. So there you sit (laughs) alive. Wouldn't you rather take $200,000 a week? Which to me sounds like an awful lot of money. A week, I know. And I'm guessing, like that's the part of it where I'm just like, where are they getting it? And I guess the people in the future are sending it to them somehow?
1: I guess so. Which it just surprised me because it was never part of the conversation between the present folk and the future folk. Like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll gladly give you a quarter of a mil a week just to keep you alive.
0: I mean, there was the lotto winnings, but that to me wasn't enough. It's like, it's quarter mil, but like, there's only 3 million or something like that in the lotto. It's Like, that's only like six weeks, you know, or, or 12 weeks. Like it's, it's not a long time. It's not indefinite, you know? Um, and and so, like, I, I like those conversations that they're having. They kind of, they layer in the sci-fi stuff. I'm actually more invested and more interested in what's happening in the town with Burton and, and Pickett than I am with Flynn and Wilf in the future. I find the constant question dodging and the whole, like, this is one of my biggest cons about the series so far, is that the predictable quote unquote villains is the super powerful megacorp that will stop at nothing to silence those that cross them and or steal precious evil data it like it's that was Westworld. (laughs) like i mean that's it's insert any sci-fi movie in the last little while that has some sort of dystopian feature um it's it's all very very familiar and while the performances are fine from the people in the future i i don't find that the conversations are anything other than circular and cryptic and it's frustrating and I guess that might be what they're trying to do but as a viewer I don't find it all that entertaining because they just take 20 minutes and cover absolutely no ground like you make no you're no farther ahead at the end of that 20 minutes than you were when you first started and I do find that um frustrating as as a viewer wanting to know more um I kind of wish that Wilf would just pop like he's obviously on the edge of something he's 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 uh um he's a good actor gary carr i was like where do i know this guy from he was in downton abbey and i was like okay i was like i know him from somewhere i've seen him in something and i couldn't put my name like my finger on it but it, once i looked it up uh he played uh jack ross who was a, a lounge singer in downton abbey that was interested in i think the niece of the family or something like that and back then in the early 1900s like an interracial marriage was not you know, interracial relationship was was not uh, something that was right. uh, allowed in society, especially in high, you know, kind of English society. But it was an excellent role for him, and he he did very well in it. And he's really good in this, um with the exception of like the constipation of his character, emotionally or or physically. Like he just seems to be <laughs> so calm all the time, and it's basically he tries to do something, and then these powers that be kind of like keep him in the dark or rip the rug out from under him or make his job harder. And you're just kind of like, aren't, didn't these people hire you to do a job? And now they're like not really helping you. And it so it yes. seems a little bit like I kind of want him to go off the rails a little bit.
1: I think that's what's going to happen eventually too. I mean, he just, he he's sort of that character as well. Like he's not giving Flynn all of the answers that she wants. Agreed. And then Le, Lev or Lev, I forget how it's pronounced. His, his boss or his hiree is, hirer is doing exactly the same thing to them. And I'm like, Wilf. Uh, you're a smart guy you know you're being played in the same way that you're sort of stringing along Flynn like why are you just allowing this to go along it just it, it's overall still enjoying the show but there's like a couple of these things that just make you go why why are you doing this yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense
0: i also f- find that there have been some grotesque and gratuitous scenes beyond need like they don't serve the story um mm. maybe one exception is the eyeball removal scene i I want to say that they were using that to illustrate just how good Flynn is at separating out what she's experiencing in virtual reality from what's actually happening. Like she's got that kind of like, well, to your point earlier about the matrix, that Neo kind of like, I'm, I'm aware I'm in the matrix. Like, I know this isn't real, even though it feels real, I know it's not. And therefore I'm unstoppable sort of deal. And, And I get that, but I just, I didn't need to see all that they showed. I feel like they they yeah. could have very easily done that with some cinematography that would have communicated what was going on without actually showing me the eyeball coming in and going out. It was gross, like really gross.
1: We watched TV with subtitles a lot, so you could you could have easily had that like like if you at the point where they clamp open the eye, that that kind of has given me the heebies-jeebies, but it wasn't too far for me at that point. So if they had have just shown that and then shown it from the back and all you would have needed at the bottom from subtitles was squelching noises. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's often what they use, <laughs> you know? And then, and then they could have come back and showed like the eye closed and looking slightly caved in. And you would have known that the eyeball was taken out without, sh- without actually having to watch it being removed.
0: Another scene actually with Pickett where I don't think it was his nephew. It was one of his goons where he smashed their He, they took it they, they cheered and then he went to take a drink and he took the guy's head and he bashed it into the table and the oh, yeah. glass, of course, smashes and cuts this guy's mouth all to all the shit. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like it just it's brutal. And it's like you could have done a very similar thing without all the blood and the gore. You know what I mean? Like he could have just yeah. bashed his head against the table. I it, f- he's not. I don't know. I just I don't think I it needed to go that far. And it's it's not necessarily all violent either. I found the nude um, swimming pool scene extra without any real necessity um where corbell is swimming naked they only show him from the behind i'm like i don't care it's just a it's just a man's butt like it doesn't that doesn't bother me it's the whole like well why though why why is it in there and it would be i would have the exact same conversation if it was his wife that was swimming naked in the pool right if they decided to go full on you know nudity on that actor just to show like the power that that Corbell Pickett has in this particular instance, it was just showing that he's a prick because he pisses in the pool. And it's just like, <laughs> he
1: you could have done that with a bathing suit
0: on. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's just, it's just, I mean, she gets grossed out by it. She's sitting on the edge of the pool, talking to him and she's dangling her feet in the pool. And she's like, are you peeing in the pool? And he's like, "It's my pool, isn't it? And it's like, this is just, it's, it's kind of like the violence and the jokes in those instances are like this kind of thing. A 14 year old would write into a movie. Yeah. you know or a film uh tv show and it's just it doesn't fit with i think the rest of it which is like the interesting conversations about ptsd and and uh substance abuse and virtuality as an escape slash employment for these these former mm-hmm. you know marines like i that to me is way more adult and interesting and nuanced compared to the bullshit, you know that the lowbrow stuff that that we're getting um and, and I say all that with these, like cons are small compared to the rest of the positives. I, I think it's, it's a, I'm enjoying it. You know, yeah, me
1: too. it's easy to pick on the cons, even in a show that you're really like, mm-hmm. and I don't know why that is. But.
0: <laughs> I think part of it is that I know, I know people out there will dismiss the show because of the cons. And when the right. cons to me are so obvious and easy to fix, you're kind of like, how come you didn't fix this? Like the internet would be losing their mind about this show if you didn't have this kind of lowbrow stuff in it. You know, if yeah. if the the 20 minute long conversations on a treadmill, the, the gratuitous violence, like if that was toned down and it was a little bit more highbrow in those places, I think that it would be talked about in a much different light.
1: I do think we did talk about that at another point. It's like, it's easy to pick on, I'm remembering now, it's easy to pick on the things, the, the, the cons, when it's so good, if you had have just done these things, it would have been like next level enjoyable. So any final thoughts on the peripheral? I'm hoping that we get a bit more backstory about the characters in the future, because I, there's something that I find really, really slick about the future scenes and the peripheral units themselves i guess refer to these empty shelled robots in the future that or, or ais in the future that um when somebody in the past wears the the vr headgear they actually assume the um or take over one of these robot bodies so like with their consciousness and everything and i feel like that's a really cool thing it's and I feel like there's we're not getting enough of that future stuff or it's, it's either that we're not getting enough of the future stuff or they're just going over like the glossy, cool stuff of like we can see what each other are seeing. um, You know, you can feel things even though you're not actually here or this actual person. And it's just there's I don't know. It just seems like they're they're talking a lot about the cool factor of the future, but they just haven't really gotten into the story much. I mean, there's there's a leader in the future. Which seems to be this elusive character, but who's very important to the storyline. And they just, I'm actually really curious to know more about her. She's been in, is it the first episode?
0: Yeah, she was the guide in the virtual reality mission that, that Flynn yeah. was on. Uh, she was the voice that was kind of directing her and telling her where to go and what to do. And and she thought it was a simulation, but it, they were actually doing a, a real life heist in the future 70 years they were stealing Mm -hmm. stealing stealing the important evil data that has then brought down the ire of the important evil megacorp
1: aided in a kidnapping yeah an eventual likely death of a person like she had no idea she just thought it was a video game Mm -hmm. and then sort of realized it was a bit much so i don't know i'm I'm enjoying it like as you said i think it's got a lot of good things going for it i just i'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they fill out the future oh actually and one thing i'm actually really curious about connor's storyline so one of Burton's um, marine buddies who um, is missing two legs in one of his arms. And he's got this really cool kind of trike slash, um, what would you call it? Basically a a wheelchair, a unicycle wheelchair. Uh, that uses, yeah, it uses a gyroscope to stay up, which is pretty cool. But he's uh, drinking a lot. There's an obvious explosion that they talked about and he kind of lost his limbs. And they sort of hinted at You know, they should have seen this coming, what happened to Connor. And like he's he's obviously going through rough time with alcohol and everything right now and and the trailer did show a flashback sequence with Connor with all of his limbs holding a gun, but they don't really show more than that. So I'm really curious to see how you know, his backstory and how that plays out and how he fits into it in the future, I think. A lot of a lot of questions that I'm looking forward to getting answered. And we're only three episodes in and I think there are
0: eight this season. I'm kind of wondering with all the 3D technology and printing that they have, I know this is in like 2039, not 20, 20, 2099 or wherever the future future is, but the fact that he's in a wheelchair and not walking around with like future prosthetics is strange to me. That may come. That may come. Yeah. I guess that could be something that comes down the line. The other thing that's been on my watch list, which is uh, a short watch actually, so very easy for folks to consume, is Star Wars: Tales of the Jedi, which is a new animated series or mini series on Disney Plus, uh, created, <laughs> written, and produced by Dave Filoni. We all enjoy Dave Filoni, uh, obviously from the Clone Wars and many other projects over at Disney. Uh, there are six animated episodes. They're all roughly around fifteen to twenty minutes, uh, animated yeah, nice. in the Clone Wars style. Uh, but I feel like they've updated it a little bit, uh, the designs and the, and the motion of the characters is still kind of stiff. Um, but that's kind of like the, the clone wars, like art direction at that point. But I feel like the rendering and the ships and the environments, like sunsets and lighting and stuff has all been updated for, you know, 2022 production. So it's very pretty. It's a very pretty show, you know, um, animation and star Wars work out very well because of all the high tech stuff that they have to do with ships, uh, and the sounds and all that kind of stuff. And because so much of star Wars is this visual language, it doesn't really matter to me whether it's an animated show or not. Like it still very much feels like star Wars when a ship comes out of hyperspace into the system. Like it's, it's right. all very, very, very similar to how it happens. And then you kind of, um, other sh- like live action show, like Mandalorian, there are, um, I guess, and I'll give a slight spoiler warning here. I won't kind of reveal the details, but I'm going to let you know kind of who and what the stories are about. Uh, There are three episodes dealing with Ahsoka Tano and three episodes dealing with Count Dooku, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, Mm. They are, however, in weird order. Episode one, which is honestly weak sauce, is about Ahsoka. And then five and six are also about Ahsoka, and they're fantastic. Uh, And I don't know why they broke them up, because the other three, Dooku, two, three, and four are all back to back in the middle. Mm. and those were interesting and cool and i'm glad that they were all in order so i don't know why they mixed messed them around um i'd have do they relate to each other no not that i remember but like i I, i'd have to go back and watch it maybe but honestly I, i don't really think there was um and ahsoka was a toddler in the first one like it's not there's no real it's more about just like how she was chosen or or how how she became a jedi like it just it it really did not have nearly the weight on her story that the other two episodes did um but like i said i really liked the doku series um and what i liked about it was that it answers a bunch of questions that i had about doku as how he got to the dark side like the only the only thing we get in Mm. the clone wars is yoda in the movie saying count dooku is an old apprentice and he has fallen to the dark side that's it you just get an an explained line that he's bad right uh and in this you see the choices that the council made the fate of other jedi and the actions of people within the republic all influencing count dooku's or i guess master dooku at that time's politics and you can see how it set him up to be very vulnerable um to be seduced by the dark side by the emperor and uh or at that point they just the sith lord that no one knows about and and it was really really cool uh and there's a bunch of uh, returning voice actors in the series from clone wars which people will be uh familiar with including um coy burton is as dooku uh ashley Eckstein as ahsoka tano uh d bradley baker as captain rex uh ian mcdermott is darth sidious so um the Mm. emperor voicing that matt latner anakin skywalker all that kind of stuff so if you're a clone wars fan then you're going to have some fun little easter eggs in there it is not required viewing to have seen any or all of the clone wars you can watch these if you've seen the skywalker movies then you're probably going to be on board for the dooku stuff if you've not seen anything about ahsoka Ahsoka tano you might be a little bit more lost on that but still the stories are self-contained you don't necessarily have to have seen uh any of the clone wars or any of the other appearances of ahsoka tano to, to understand the weight of this um okay one of the things that i really liked was the fact that they dealt with um how strong ahsoka is and in one of the one of the shorts it was all about her training as a young padawan with anakin skywalker and he was training her against the clone troopers that she was in a squad with and he was like well they're not predictable joys are predictable you guys you can't predict these these guys they're they're human so you're gonna have to get better right and so she gets to be Mm. very very good at at predicting when people are going to be attacking her. And it really feels like he was training her to survive order 66. Right. Mm. It's, it's a very, it's a very interesting kind of point where you can see that Anakin is, he's still a Jedi and he's not been turned, (laughs) but like, he's still kind of aware of what threats are out there. It's, it was a really cool sequence. And then the other part is, after Padme has died, which happens in the films and, uh, the, the, the galaxy is changing dramatically and Ahsoka is in hiding because she has escaped order 66, which was in the final season of clone wars. And she goes into hiding, but then the, the sixth episode deals with the reason she gets back into the fight with the rebellion and, and how she got involved in the star Wars Rebels series and why she's in the Mandalorian, like what, why does she still do the things that she does uh, as a Jedi, despite the fact that she's supposed to be hiding from the empire and all that stuff. Yeah, no, it's re- it's really, really cool. Um, one little tidbit, and I won't get any more into it than, than this is that uh, as far as the Dooku stuff, Qui-Gon Jinn was Dooku's apprentice. And I think I knew that, but I forgot it. And I don't remember whether that's information that they give you in the Skywalker films in the saga or whether that's something that I just remember from Clone Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. But that information I thought was really interesting because it provides more emotional uh, pathos and it gives you more of an emotional journey for Dooku than he's just a you know mustache-twirling villain in the movies, you know? uh and and it's 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 good like i and and they're again accessible and easy uh there is um the fun little easter egg is um yaddle is another i don't we don't even know what they're called but this she's um the same species as yoda and uh voiced by bryce dallas howard which was which was fun i didn't i didn't know about that i didn't recognize it until like i saw a social media post from bryce dallas howard that she was like, thanks to Dave <laughs> Filoni for making this dream come true. Sort of like nerd nice. situation. And I was like, that's cool. Okay. I'm going to keep my eye out for that. This is actually how I found out about the series was from, from Bryce Dallas Howard on, on social media. So, um, nice. yeah, definitely, definitely worth checking out. If you're a star Wars fan at all, very easy to watch six episodes, 15 minutes a piece, like you're going to be done in an afternoon. Yeah. You're going to be done in an afternoon. Cause you're not going to be able to stop, <laughs> uh, which is, that's which fine. is cool. Well, that wraps up this episode of the citadel cafe you can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that we talked about at the citadelcafe.com music for the show is composed by kevin mcleod and you can email the show at the at gmail.com or find the show by name on twitter subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app also find the show on youtube word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show just tell a friend about the Siddle cafe and where they can go to listen to it and speaking of supporting the show uh thanks again to all of our patrons you are the reason we get to do this you can become a patron at patreon.com slash the cafe if you get some value out of the show and you'd like to put some value back in big thanks to our bean counter patrons cosmic and smurf 588 I really appreciate your support of this episode. We are at 28 patrons steady on from last week. We are always aiming for more. If you'd like to become patron number 29, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online at joelduggan.com. That includes links to other podcast projects like the Spawn Chunks, where I talk with Pixar about Minecraft every week. And of course, Twitch is Joel Duggan and Joel Duggan across all social media. Next stream on the docket is, I believe, Friday for Lego. I might be able to stream on Thursday. We'll see. Lots of fun happening in satisfactory Minecraft and weekly Lego builds. Steven, where can people find you online?
1: I mostly hang out on Twitch as well at twitch.tv slash Steven ESE. And that's Steven with a PH. I'm enjoying the time spent in my single player world in the last little while where I am dying quite a bit.
0: You've been listening to The Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.